around, people. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It is January 24th, 2024. We're live streaming on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Share, subscribe, tap that notification bell if you have not. And I mentioned yesterday morning, like four days in a row of every day being our best viewership across platforms, like just crushing the numbers every day. Uh, four days in a row. Well, yes, it happened again yesterday. Five days in a row. Not bad. We appreciate it, people. And if you want to join us for the post-game show, rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, before we get to the theme of today's show, you know, uh, something interesting happened during the show yesterday. We were talking about DEI, talking about race and skin color, people looking differently, all of that stuff. And I realized that in this studio right here, uh, that normally I've got three white guys in this studio with me. I've got Connor, he's the whitest of the white. I've got Brock, he's the middle. And uh, Phoenix is a little on the tanner side. So I have three white people in this room. And then in the back room over there, we have Joey. Joey's our newest guy, he's Asian. And it, it suddenly struck me while we were doing the show, it, how is it fair to keep the one, the other, the different guy, to keep him in that room? So as of today, Joey is in this room with us. Joey, just yell, you wanna yell hello or do you speak anything? Hi everyone. Uh, hi everyone. He said, hi everyone, and you're gonna have to take my word for it that there is an Asian guy within, I don't know, a good six feet of me right now, okay? So that's what we're doing here because I don't, you know my feelings. I don't like just talking about this stuff. I like living it. So with all of that in mind, we are gonna continue on yesterday's theme and talk about how it is incumbent on all of us that are sane, and there are some of us left, to call out our side, right? So if you are a sane lefty, and there ain't many of them, it would be good if you kind of pushed back against the crazy. So John Fetterman, for example, a guy we all thought had brain damage six months ago, suddenly a sane lefty, call out your progressive loons. Bill Maher, sane lefty, call out your Gavin Newsoms. That's where we're gonna start today. A guy like me, let's say I'm sane, roughly, ballpark, you may agree or disagree. Uh, it's incumbent on me to call out the, the more extreme or crazy voices on the right. And if we consistently do that, then regardless of who's president or regardless of who's governor or anything else, we might actually somehow right the ship, right? Like we're in the Titanic right now. We see the freaking iceberg. There's enough people right now that maybe could shift this thing before we slam into that. And it did not end well for Leonardo DiCaprio. That's the main point of everything I'm gonna be doing today. Uh, but why don't we just start actually uh, with Bill Maher, who I just mentioned, because on Friday night, his show was off for about a month, came back and he had Gavin Newsom on. And it's interesting because Bill has an interesting sort of relationship as a sane lefty with Gavin Newsom, because first off, he's a California guy, right? He lives in LA, he's a Hollywood guy. He's very critical of what Gavin Newsom has done. And yet on his podcast, he has said that he would vote for Gavin Newsom. When I was on the show about two months ago, I went off on Gavin Newsom because it was a day or two after the, the big debate with Ron DeSantis and DeSantis crushed him. Uh, but Omar was defending Newsom. Anyway, he did a nice job of poking and prodding Newsom in the right way. Uh, we got a couple clips for you. Uh, here they are first talking about a new California gender neutral bathroom law uh, that has um, been brought about under Lord Newsom. There's a new law in this, I think we have way too many regulations and laws as we've <laughs> talked about. And this one I think says, if you're a department store with over 500 employees, you have to have a gender neutral oh, toys. toy department. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, I get it. So you think that's no, but it's silly? Do you think that's a silly thing that, that well, we, we, we too much government 
too much government there. That, look, that, that's an interesting one because the, the department stores came to us supporting that. And they were the ones making a case for that. Uh, they were making a case they're already moving in that direction. Why don't you and, make a law about them? Well, they, they, but they've supported the legislation. It wasn't legislation that was enacted, that was initiated uh, from my office, but it was legislation that came up with interesting support from the industry itself. But I understand how that's exploited. Good people can disagree. But that's not something we woke up and said, this is a top priority for the state. When we know the top priority is homelessness, housing, the issues of crime, quality of life, and issues related to regulation and taxes, which are all top of mind. But I get how those things are. God, I hate him. I hate that man. Hold on. Let me finish writing so I don't lose my train of thought. Um, God, I hate him. All right. First off, the idea that the department stores came to the government and were like, we're having some issue with our bathroom. Could you guys pass some kind of law so we can figure out our bathroom problems? We're Nordstrom, we're, we're Saks Fifth Avenue, we're Macy's, give me one more department store. PJ uh, Maxx. We're having some bathroom issues. Could you government, could you tell us, should we have gender neutral bathrooms? What if a dude's dressed like a chick? Could you pass a law to tell us what we should do with that person? It's complete nonsense. If any store was having a problem with that, they, it's just a lie, a lie, a lie. And you can see the way he even kind of words it. Well, we wasn't top of mind. We didn't really kind of push it through. They were very excited that we decided. It's just pure BS. He is a slimy, snake, evil freak. That's number one. Number two, then he says, well, we have other things in mind. We have other things that we're trying to deal with over here in Cali. We've got problems. Homelessness. Yes, you completely effed it up. You were the, the mayor of San Francisco. San Francisco is a scene out of a zombie movie right now. You had a 10-year plan to end homelessness. There are more homeless people per capita in San Francisco than anywhere else. No sane person should be walking the streets of San Francisco, and we all know it. People no longer park their cars on the streets in San Francisco because every car gets broken into. People literally, the few people that can't afford, the people that can't afford to put their cars in garages so they have to put it on the street, they are now leaving their windows open because it's proof to the people that want to break into the cars that there's nothing in the cars. That's what you've done with homelessness. And then of course that's been extrapolated across the entire state, not just San Francisco, because you're now governor. Uh, then he also talks about housing. Again, California has an absolute housing crisis and they have a housing crisis because lower income people can't afford the houses. That's one problem. But then they have all of the rich people that are fleeing, over a million people in the last three years that are fleeing to the free states, Florida, Texas, et cetera, et cetera. I have a, a good friend. I think I mentioned this on the show last week. I have a good friend uh, who is a home builder in Los Angeles. He builds the most beautiful homes you have ever seen. He has two absolutely gorgeous houses for sale in Los Angeles right now that are not crazy priced. Like they're, they're priced right where they should be. And he cannot sell them because nobody wants to move to Los Angeles right now. So homeless housing, re regulation. He pretends he cares about regulation. California is the most over-regulated state in the union. And then, then of course, taxes. They have the highest or the second highest taxes. So just everything he says is a lie, but I get it. His hair is gelled back and his dentures are nice and white. Uh, let's continue because Bill then poked and prodded him a little bit about his further political ambitions. I feel like the last couple of years, you've like purposely picked this fight with the red states. I mean, the, yes. the Santa, yeah, but I don't, want, I don't want to live in the Civil War country. I agree with that. You know what, well, but, I, but you seem like you, you purposely want to set up this, this dichotomy between, oh, this is a blue state and that's a red state. Yeah. 
and and I don't want to live in that country. I, love that. I like Florida. I'm with you. And by the way, I I, I, I like Florida as well. I like I like all these states. I, I completely agree. I don't want to have a state of mind that's a constant fight or flight. We've gone through so much. We've been polarized and traumatized. There's been a tough five six years across the globe, not just in this country. That said, I'm not going to sit back and watch. Uh, you made the point just a moment ago in your monologue. You got folks out there trying to bring us back to a pre-1960s world. America in reverse, rolling back voting rights, LGBTQ rights, women's rights, not just access to abortion, but contraception. I mean, it's a profound and consequential moment. And you could sit by and say, well, I really want to get along as these guys are rolling back the clock, or you can stand tall and assert yourself. Okay, sorry, I got the clips confused there. We'll show you the one about Mar poking him on, on his uh, further ambitions. That was obviously about red state, blue state thing. And again, everything he says there is a complete lie. The reason he was going after Florida the way he was about four months ago was because that was his way of escalating himself into the national conversation. Then he does that debate with DeSantis and even the mainstream media was like, this was pretty freaking bad. Like he's not really being discussed as heir apparent when Joe Biden falls up or down the stairs or when they figure out how to push Kamala away, right? He, he DeSantis, if DeSantis did nothing else in all of this, uh, at a national level, he basically destroyed that mf -er right there, which is pretty beautiful. Uh, also, of course, you guys know it, the idea that, that in the red states, uh, and specifically he's talking about Florida, that we're trying to turn it back to the 1960s, there are no, where no one's taking away voting rights. You have to show an ID when you vote. It's actually quite pleasurable when you vote because you go in and they look at your ID and they match it to something and they check that you actually live there and you are who you are. And then you go, my God, this system makes sense. It's quite beautiful. Uh, nobody's coming after the LGBTs here. Are there, is there anyone outside? Did you guys notice? Were there like any people outside the house coming for me? Nobody, nobody's coming for any of the LGBTs. They're not coming for women. Uh, my mother-in-law is here now. Nobody was going after her today. The kids are kind of spitting up all over her, but I don't think that has anything to do with the government. Uh, anyway, now let's go to uh, Mar poking him a little bit on what his actual intentions are. I was a lieutenant governor and you had me on. I mean, who has lieutenant governors on? It's amazing. And I've said then you're going to run for president one day, and, and we know it's not this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to even go there. No, no, I'm glad we're not going there. Not, no. No. I don't know why they didn't go there. I mean, Bill has said, and I say this respectfully to Bill, Bill has said that he would support the guy. He would support the guy that has the highest taxes and the most crime and the most homeless and has, as I mentioned when I was on Real Time with Bill Maher, there was a homeless encampment literally on the street right outside the studio. Uh, but this is what liberals tend to do. They're very slow motion. They're, they sort of get to the problem in slow-mo by the time it's too late. So on one hand, you'll complain about the woke, you will complain about the high taxes, you'll complain about all the people leaving. Uh, Bill was a major critic of Gavin Newsom when it came to all of the COVID stuff and mandates and vaccines and everything else. But then you'll also say, we'll support these guys. But in any event, he did push and prod him a little bit and that's just what we need to see more of. And that's what I'm gonna try to do from my side, which tends to be a little more on the right these days. Uh, we will get to that and the results of the New Hampshire primary from last night in just a moment. Let me talk to you guys about Gravity to Fire Shoes real quick. Guys, I wanna tell you something that's been making my days a whole lot easier. Gravity to Fire Shoes. These shoes are something else. I mean, I'm a fan of comfortable footwear. Everyone knows that. But these shoes take it to a whole new level. More than just shoes. They're basically clouds for your feet. I'm not kidding. In a double-blind study by Olive View UCLA Medical Center and published in the Journal of the American Podiatric Medical Association, participants experienced 85% less knee pain. It's the most powerful short, uh, shock absorption system put into a shoe. 
Gravity Defier has patented VersoShock technology. It's like a mini trampoline in your shoes. Whether you're strolling through the park, running errands, or just lounging at home, these shoes have got your back, or I should say your feet. Even better, they're stylish. You get both comfort and style that looks good and feels great. And here's a little extra love for our listeners. Use discount code RUBEN30 for an exclusive $30 off your $150 order or more. Yep, you heard it right, a little gift from G-Defy to your feet. Experience the miracle that is G-Defy, where comfort meets innovation. And now, back to me. All right, the uh, New Hampshire results. Let's roll it. Here we go. Donald Trump was the winner. They predicted him to be the winner. He was the winner. The margin actually was a bit closer than people thought. We'll dive into those numbers in just a sec. But as you can see, Donald Trump got about 167, uh, sorry, 163,000 votes, 54%. And Nikki Haley with just under 130,000 votes, uh, about 43%. So 12 delegates to Trump and uh, nine to Haley. Now there's a couple interesting things to mention about this New Hampshire primary. Uh, number one is that it's an open primary, right? So generally in most states, when you have a primary, the whole idea of a primary is I'm a Republican, I'm registered as a Republican, Republicans are having this fight, so only Republicans or Democrats on the other side can vote in the primary. That way we get our best candidate out there, right? We're able to send out somebody who, who shares our values and our policies the most. New Hampshire does it differently where it's an open primary, so independents are allowed to vote. Uh, now a huge percentage of the people that voted for Haley were independents. Uh, so her numbers on one hand seem a little higher than they should be because the question is, would those people actually vote Republican in a general election? That is, who knows? On the other hand, you might go, oh, all of these independents do like Haley, they don't like Trump, so maybe they would vote for someone like Haley in a general. So it's it's an interesting, uh, I would say it's an interesting prism through which to look at these results. Here is uh, Nikki Haley celebrating her second place finish. I wanna congratulate Donald Trump on his victory tonight. He earned it and I wanna acknowledge that. Now you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. Okay, so I just want to reiterate my point from a moment ago because I think it's, it's really important because her numbers are higher because independents, uh, let's say less apolit you know, more apolitical people voted for her. So on one hand, they, they don't represent the average Republican. That's very obvious. They know that from exit polling, that a lot of these people were not traditional Republicans. So on one hand, I see Trump people saying, oh, these weren't Republicans, it doesn't matter. But on the other hand, if you get this to a general, if all of those people who supported Nikki will not support Trump, right? If the, if the whole idea was, oh, we're voting, we're supporting Nikki right now because we hate Trump. Well, you need independents and moderates in a national election. So again, you can kind of look at this both ways. Anyway, here is Trump celebrating his Nikki and kind of sticking it to, uh, to, here's Trump celebrating his win and kind of sticking it to Miss Nikki. And uh, today, I have to tell you, it was very interesting because I said, wow, what a great victory. But then somebody ran up to the stage all dressed up nicely <laughs> when it was at seven. But now I just walked up and it's at 14. But, but she ran up when it was seven. And, you know, we have to do what's good for our party. 
And she was up, and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know, I felt I should do this because I find in life you can't let people get away with bull****, okay? You can't. You just can't do that. And when I watched her in the fancy dress that probably wasn't so fancy come up, I said, what's she doing? We won. And she did the same thing last week, but he was much more angry about it than I was. I said, get up there and you let him know. All right. So that's like, it's all of Trump. Like, that's just Trump, right? I don't even need to like really analyze that. I don't know what he means about the dress that wasn't so fancy or whatever. Uh, but the point is, he won. She did not. We're almost on the way to South Carolina, which is where she is from and where she was a governor. And that really will be the bellwether as to whether uh, there's any chance for Nikki Haley. I'm also seeing something interesting from the Trump camp on this where everyone's like, Nikki's gotta drop out because it's just a waste of money. And it's like, well, wait a minute. It's the donor class that's donating to her, right? Everyone knows that. There's not a lot of dispute about that. So why do you care whether the, donor, the donors just waste their money? Uh, interestingly, on the point about the crossover people voting for Nikki Haley, here's some numbers from CNN. About how the rest of the night might play out. Let's go back to David Chalian with that. And David, you're getting more on the ways that Republican primary voters don't see eye to eye. Yes, that's right, Jake. In these exit poll results, you see a Mars and Venus universe for Haley and Trump coalitions here. Take a look at the numbers. Among Trump voters, 70% of them, according to our exit polls, are registered Republicans. Donald Trump, his support, 27% of his voters are registered undeclared or independents. 3% uh, were unregistered before today. Look at how that compares with Nikki Haley. It's a complete reversal. It's an alternate universe. Among Haley voters, 70% are registered undeclared. Only 27% are registered Republicans. All right, that's CNN for you. It's very serious stuff. A lot of money spent on graphics and scary music. It's kind of funny to me. It's like, is that Brian Stelter's uncle? They were like, we fired that one portly uh, asexual guy. Get me somebody else to analyze the number. Somebody a little uh, older. He'll be more trustworthy. Uh, anyway, it's just worth noting. Again, I don't have to reiterate it again. It's just worth noting who those crossover people went to. And you can either then say, okay, that means that they're not really Republicans and they'll never vote for a Republican. Or you could say, oh, these are people who could potentially vote for a Republican like Nikki. They just will not vote for Trump. Uh, here's RNC chair Ronna McDaniel, who the, the, it's interesting, this woman, because the base hates her, absolutely hates her. Uh, Donald Trump supported her. You may remember Ron DeSantis supported um, Harmeet Dillon. Dillon, thank you. Uh, and uh, here's Ronna McDaniel now calling on Nikki Haley to drop out. Looking at the math and the path going forward, and I don't see it for Nikki Haley. I think she's run a great campaign, but I do think there is a message that's coming out from the voters, which is very clear. We need to unite around our eventual nominee, which is gonna be Donald Trump, and we need to make sure we beat Joe Biden. Okay, so this is racehorse stuff. The, the woman who is the head of the party, who was backed by Donald Trump, is backing Donald Trump. Again, I think, to me, it's like you just let this thing play out. It doesn't even matter whether you love Trump, whether you hate Nikki, reverse that. It, it just doesn't matter. You let it play out at least to South Carolina. So Nevada is next. Nevada's a fairly small state, obviously. What, what day is South Carolina? Can, we get, can you tell me South what day Carolina. it is? It's, some, it's sometimes next week, I think. 
but the point is like, if she gets crushed in her home state, then it's like, well, what, what can you really do with this thing? Uh, I wanna show you a little more of the analysis on all of this from mainstream media, because you know the, the meta thing that's happening, of course, across the country, is that you have a certain set of people that believe the mainstream narrative, that pay attention to that stuff and think, oh my God, they're telling us something approximate to truth. And then you have a whole bunch of people who watch the online thing and that, that has its flaws as well. Uh, South Carolina primary, by the way, is February uh, 3rd. So that's uh, about a week from, about nine days from now. Uh, but here's a little mainstream media. Uh, this is CNN's Van Jones. And Van Jones, who is like, again, one of these people, it's like, you're sometimes right about stuff. You're not completely insane. Uh, but, well, I won't even color it anymore. You go take no, I, I, I do see it somewhat differently just with regard to, to the debate. I do think that he looks weak. Basically, there's a woman that says, I want to get you. I want to debate with you. And he looks weak running from one person. Saying, look, I don't want to be involved in the big circles with a bunch of nobodies. Mm. I, I, I don't know that that doesn't wind up giving her a little bit more to say. And to your point, she does not have a landing field out there anywhere past where she is right now, and it could create. So I just, I just, I don't want to. I, I think you're going to hear that. I think it may work better than we think. Part of what we're looking at as Trump's strength, uh, his resilience, is really a reflection of Biden's uh, fragility. Uh, Republicans are not afraid of Joe Biden. They're not afraid. Uh, yeah. They, they don't think that by putting up somebody this damaged, frankly, this deranged, with this many deficits, is going to hurt them at all. Because the polls show over and over again that even with 978 felonies, he's still neck and neck with Biden. And so it's, it's, a, it's a worrying sign. I, I, you're, you're correct. There's some worrying signs for, for Trump. There's to be worrying signs for Democrats that they're not afraid. They're not afraid of. OK, so the reason I wanted to show you that is there's something sane there coming out of what Van Jones is saying. Now, you, you can make the argument either way that Trump looks weak or not by avoiding Nikki in the debates and whether it was it was clearly a good strategy. It was a good political strategy, maybe not good for the country or good for democracy, that he didn't debate the entire time, because, of course, having him up there defending his ideas, you'd like to believe that the president can do that. But I can't deny that he is the, the presumed nominee at this point. So strategically, it did work. Uh, what he says at the end there, I think, is is more insightful, which is that partly what is fueling Trump, it's it's all the, okay, you've called us all racist and you want to chop all the kids' wangs off and he's Trump is seen as the, the bulwark against that. But it's also that, oh, it's a freaking, it's Joe freaking Biden. Let's just do the thing that we did last time. Let's just do it again. And maybe from a Republican perspective, maybe there will be a different outcome. If the Democrats we're running somebody that was younger and trimmer and could speak clearly and all of those things and people actually believed he was the driving force behind the office of the presidency, there would be a stronger argument against Donald Trump, right? Because you'd be like, oh, well now actually Trump is 77. He did lose last time. Some of the craziness, the court cases, blah, blah, blah. But this time it's like the Republicans basically are coalescing around him for, for many good reasons, but one of the other uh, extra reasons, let's say, is that it's against Biden. So what the hell is the difference? Uh, I can also show you something. This is wild. I'm showing you two back-to-back -back somewhat sane comments on mainstream media. This is a weird day. It's a weird day. Joy Reid over on MSNBC, uh, she said something kind of sane here. 
Is this right? If New is Hampshire is the avatar for what independent voters want and would choose, uh, you know, given the option, given the fact that anyone could play mm -hmm. in that independent side. Uh, Nikki Haley beat Donald Trump among independents by something like 40, for, you know, 40 percentage points. That is not a good sign for a sitting former, a former president of the United States who, again, wants to be seen as president. Yes, he will beat her in South Carolina. But let's not forget that one of the things that Joe Biden did was to remake the calendar such that he was not on the ballot in New Hampshire, mm -hmm. still mopped up Dean Phillips in New Hampshire when he wasn't even on the ballot as a write-in candidate. Yes, Donald Trump will likely win South Carolina, Nikki Haley's home state. Joe Biden might win it by more mm -hmm. because that state is built for Joe Biden, just like on the Republican side, it's built for Donald Trump. So tonight, the winner, if you want to look at all of the metrics for a general election, the winner tonight is Joe Biden, mm -hmm. who won in New Hampshire decisively as a write-in, who is going to win decisively in South Carolina. And the story that Donald Trump thinks he's going to get out of South Carolina, Joe Biden will get one of equal value to him. Uh, and in the end, he's got a better story to tell in November because he's not facing 91 criminal counts. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can't believe it, but I am going to say that that is actually somewhat sane analysis by Joy Reid. So I guess it could happen once a year or maybe once a decade or something like that. But as I was referencing before, this idea of the crossover people supporting Nikki, it shows you that the crossover people do not want Trump. So that her argument then is, oh, so that is a victory for Biden because if Trump is the nominee and it looks like Trump will be the nominee, the crossover people, at least in New Hampshire, will end up voting for Joe Biden and not for Donald Trump. So to that end, it is a victory for Joe Biden. I don't know that you can make much of an argument against that. I cannot believe this. Are we in Bizarro Land? I'm doing this show from Bizarro Land. Did I have a stroke? What the hell's going on here? We're giving Joy Reid credit. It's really, really wild. It's also worth noting that because the Democrats are so freaking deeply corrupt, they did not put Joe Biden on the ballot. So if you if you caught those numbers there at the end, Joe Biden got about 20,000 votes. It didn't even matter, right? They were write-in votes. And then Dean Phillips, he's a congressman from... Uh, from Minnesota, he got, what was it, 6,000 votes, something like that. And then Marianne Williamson, I can't believe she's still at it with her crystals, she got about 1,000 votes. Uh, but I do think that Joy Reid's analysis is kind of right, that the crossover people are making it clear that they don't like Donald Trump. Now, maybe they'll never vote for a Republican, so it doesn't matter, but I think that there's, some, there's just something. If you're watching this and you're, you're going, you know, I like Dave again because he's supporting Trump and it is what it is, you should still be aware of the reality uh, on the ground. Uh, let's jump over, or we'll jump back actually to that same episode of Real Time with Bill Maher because Andrew Sullivan was on. Andrew's a, I would say a left-leaning author. Uh, so this is a lefty, this is a, a Democrat. Uh, but here he is making a good point about how the more the Democrats try to take out Trump, the more they kind of help him. Go by the issues. I don't know if people go by the issues. I was reading this today in the paper. One in three people in this country will not accept the results. Oh, 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 one in three will accept the results of the election. That's on both sides. A quarter of the people have no confidence that we have free and fair elections. Biden voters, one in three, not confident. Of course, 70% of Trump voters will only accept a Trump victory. 46% of Biden voters will only view his victory as legitimate. Why even have an election? I mean, given numbers like this, 
You really think it's about issues? It's not a, it is why you have an election. The only why way a country that's divided can ever resolve its questions is to have an election with the candidates that both parties support, with no constraints, and have us actually decide who's going to be president. That's why we do it. That's what a democracy is. There's no way around that. There's no legal suit to kind of get rid of that. And, and the attempt to disqualify him somehow on a technicality just smacks it's of fear. It's a little fear. more than it a technicality. Okay, so I am completely with Andrew Sullivan on that. They continued, obviously, but the, the point, he goes on a lefty show with Bill Maher, with a lefty audience in Los Angeles, and says, guys, you know, if you remove him from the ballot, you do all this stuff with the court cases, you're not letting the system, you're not letting the people make the decision here. And if you do that, that's actually like sticking the knife and twisting it into democracy, right? Because then no one is gonna be like, oh, this system's actually fair. Like the Republicans certainly won't be. And the Democrats will kind of be like, oh, we know what we did and, and it's not fair. So the point of all this, the reason I wanted to show you that clip is that I think one of the key moves for Trump right now is to figure out how to get those crossover people. Those people who just voted for Nikki will be key. Trump needs new voters, right? One of my arguments for DeSantis the whole time was DeSantis clearly can get new voters. We know it because the proof's in the pudding here in Florida where now the, the Republicans have, I think, 600,000 more, it might even be a little bit more than that, about 600,000 more registered Republicans than Democrats. And when he came into office, there were about 200,000 more Democrats than Republicans. So we know that he could have brought in new people and got them to vote the right way. Trump needs those people. So for me, a guy that does not want Joe Biden or the Democrats to be in office next year, I wanna push Trump to figure out a way to get those moderates. Now, the problem with that, I've shown you a couple bizarrely sane things out of mainstream media. The problem with that is mainstream media is constantly telling you that if Donald Trump becomes president, we will become a fascist dictatorship, he'll rip off the mask, you'll have Hitler, the little mustache, the whole thing. Here's Ari Melber on the televised mental institution known as MSNBC doing just that. If he's convicted of a coup, which is what he's facing a trial for in DC in the yeah. Jack Smith case, then voters have to factor that in. Because if you vote for someone who by a jury of their peers in the justice system is a convicted coup leader, that might be the last vote you ever, you ever cast. So right. you're a coup leader? What? Yeah, a coup yes. leader. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the insurrection. It was on television no, no, and everything. No, you're talking about the Georgia case. No, I'm not talking about Georgia. Okay. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the, the federal case, which again, I'll go out of my way to say he's presumed innocent and there's gonna be a trial, but, to, but yes, these issues aren't so cleanly cleaved because if he's convicted of trying to steal the election, See, voters I, 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 have to look at that, right? Because you might not yes. be voting again and if I you think put the, that person in power. All right, Melbourne's giving you a little bit of everything. First off, to be clear, again, there was no insurrection. There was no plan to take over the government. They had no weapons. Just because you go into a building, and yes, if you broke a window and if you took a dump on Nancy Pelosi's desk, you should be dealt with. What would be the penalty for that? I'm sure she's probably done it herself. Um, but there was no insurrection, but he could be, I do agree with Melbourne on this point, he might be convicted of an insurrection, right? In reality, I don't think most true uh, clear-minded people think there was a real insurrection that was sparked by Donald Trump to never leave office, right? And that he thought the crazy guy with the hat and all the grandmas and everybody, and again, no weapons, no plans or anything like that, were really going to take over the government. Doesn't, it, that's not to defend all of his behavior and everything else, 
Um, but I do believe he could be convicted of it and that could be a problem. Now, of course, the bigger problem, perhaps then just sort of the mainstream media always running cover for the Democrats or trying to scare the hell out of you about Donald Trump and the Republicans is that they are constantly running cover for the Democrats. This one is, is just, this is like a true gem. This is a true gem. This is yesterday on CNN. CNN quote unquote journalist, her name is Laura Coates. Uh, well, watch as she goes down on Kamala Harris. Let me ask you one more question. I, it, I'm struck just in your presence. The I was watching you on stage, watching the reactions from the crowd, mm -hmm. looking you in the eye with your passion that you were displaying and talking about so many issues. And yet you hear candidates suggesting that a vote for President Biden because of his age is somehow a vote for you. And that is hurled as an insult. It's intended to demonstrate some negative viewpoint towards you. What is your reaction to this thought that with your background in particular, with your career, that there is some thought that you are incapable? Well, I, I think that um, most women who have risen in their profession, who are leaders in their profession, have had similar experiences. Mm. Um, I was the first woman to be elected district attorney. I was the first woman to be elected attorney general of the state of California. And I'm the first woman to be vice president. And I love my job. <laughs> that is quite an interview. That is a hard-hitting interview. Maybe we'll play that again and I'll do, I'll do some voices. Should we try that? Let's see here, I'll, I'll try to do Can some- Let me ask you one more question. Oh, I would love to go down on you. Could I just go down on you? You're the vice president and I'd like to go down on you. It would be very nice if you could just stand there and I'll just get on my knees and go down on you. That would be a pleasure and I can lick and mm, that would be delicious. And yes, I would do it with great detail and I would love to do it and it would be really nice and I'll get in there and it'll be a real pleasure to do it. It would just be great. Oh, I love the way you look at me. It's just so nice. And I'll just get down there and lickety lickety. Mm -mm 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 -mm. It's going to taste good. And I'll tell everybody about it. It would just be wonderful. It'll be a good time for me. And I'll tell everybody and we'll put it on Instagram. And could I just, do you think I could do that? Or maybe should I, well, yes, you can go down on me. You can go down. Award-winning people, award-winning analysis. Anywho, uh, let's go to the man that is apparently in charge of Kamala Harris, who hired her because she is a black woman. Those are his words, not mine. Uh, you may remember his first campaign speech when he was running last time, and we should have known that there was something wrong with him and we were gonna end up in this situation. Here's a, here's a quick hit from, from the old days. My name's Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's husband and Kamala's running mate. Get it aside. Thank you, Kamala. Nobody even knows how to react. Anyway, here's uh, Biden yesterday, and uh, the man is struggling. The man is struggling. We'll teach Donald Trump an, a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. Can we get closed captioning on that one? Would that be possible? That would blow out the system. We don't even have the computing power to figure that one out. We actually got that one from another angle. Take a look at this. We'll teach Donald Trump an, a valuable lesson. Don't 
Mess with the men on I think Liar Liar is Jim Carrey's best movie. What do you guys think? I, I could see the argument for The Mask. Dumb and Dumber, you think it's bad? I could see it. Dumb and Dumber, The Mask. Wow. We're going to have to argue this one out. Uh, anyway, what is the point of showing you all of this? We do not know if Biden is going to be the nominee. That is just the flat out truth, right? The man is 80 years old or 81 years old. He is breaking down. The people that are applauding him, he blah, 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 and, then, and then they applaud, like it's this like train seal thing, but we have no idea if he's gonna be the nominee, which if he, if he literally trips today, Kamala Harris is president tonight, and they have other plans to get rid of her, there's no doubt about that. I was on Piers Morgan uh, a couple days ago in New York City, uh, and we talked a bit about Joe Biden's sort of crumbling mental state and what that means for the whole damn thing. Here's the thing. I think the problem is not, excuse me, it's not his age. I think that Joe Biden's problem is the clear senility yeah. that's going with his age. Like I said, I met Mick Jagger last summer absolutely bursting with the vim and vigor that Jill wants us to believe she sees in right. Joe. Look, Piers, do, do any of us sitting at this table or anyone watching this think that he could run one shift at McDonald's? And I don't mean that as a shot for someone that works at McDonald's. There well, is something a lot of senior cognitively, do, but, but I don't think he could. I think a lot of senior citizens could, because I don't think it's an age thing. I agree with you. It's a, it's a cognitive... Dame Joan ability. Collins at the Emmys stole the show. Yes. She's 90 years old. Good friend of mine. She looks about 50 and she has the mental acuity of a 50-year-old. She has vim and vigor. So I, you know, Jill Biden is right to say it's about vim and vigor, but her husband doesn't exude it. Well, look, let's put it this way. You opened by saying something about ailing Joe Biden. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I haven't looked at my phone in 20 minutes. Did something <laughs> else happen? It's a general <laughs> ailing. It's, it's ailing. Yes, we all know it. The wandering off when they put get him off the plane and the confusion. He literally on camera last, what was it, two years ago, said, let's go, let's go, Brandon. Mm. Like, something is not right. We all know it. And I would say respectfully, in terms of the polls and everything, People don't vote on what really matters. We vote on what we can feel, mm. right? And I think because of that, people are going, Donald Trump, he seems back. There's energy there, and there's just no energy with well, Biden. Trump, and nobody, I, nobody likes of the clips of that guy. I keep telling you, more, more of that guy, whoever he is. Uh, the point of all of that is that if we all know that there is something wrong with Joe Biden, and at the same time, we have some sense, perhaps, from New Hampshire that the crossover people are not thrilled with Trump, then what we need to do, if you do not want Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom to be president, we have to now push on Trump a little bit to figure out a way to get those moderates, get those, it's, it often is suburban women who have that major aversion to Trump. And if, cause if we don't do that, we're gonna get the Democrats. Again, I wanna show you two clips uh, right now of Ron DeSantis yesterday because DeSantis, who's not running for president, he has now backed Donald Trump. That is that is absolutely fine. He's back here in Florida and as a Floridian, I'm, I'm very happy about that actually. Um, but he went on the Steve Dace show on The Blaze and he talked about, uh, well, St Steve basically asked him if he has any regrets. And I think what he talks about here is an important way that we can kind of push on Donald Trump. One of the frustrating things with the campaign was I was the only one that wanted to talk about this. Uh, no one else wanted to talk about COVID. I think there was one question of in all the debates that brought up that brought up COVID. I had to inject it into different debates, whether it's Fauci, whether it's accountability, you name it. 
but this was one of the biggest events in our life. Uh, and yet we had we had one candidate who was president at the start of it. And when he get interviewed, no one would even ask him questions mm-hmm. about it. Uh, and so I think what we're doing is is important. Uh, I think that it, it potentially can can lead to some some reform. Uh, but one of the, you know, the, 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 the regrets I have about kind of what, how 24 is turning out is I don't see at the federal level there being any avenue for COVID accountability. I think that, you know, you're going to have two major candidates that just that just want to pretend like everything was hunky dory. And, and I know in both of those presidents made serious, serious mistakes. And here's the thing. It's not about using it for fodder in a political campaign. It's about ensuring that this never happens to our country ever again. Okay, so the reason I wanted to show you that is when I talk about the people on the left, the sane voices on the left pushing against the excesses of the left, right? So whether it is John Fetterman, which I still can't believe, or Bill Maher when he occasionally does it, or Van Jones when he checks into reality land every now and again, having the sane voices, even if you disagree with these people on virtually everything, having somewhat of a sane voice on the other side is good, right? It helps moderate it. And Ron DeSantis, who obviously isn't going to be president and is now back here in Florida, uh, I think he is right when he talks about that, that if we don't ever get that COVID accountability, which is just one of several things that he was pushing on, um, we we are bound to do it again. So having a DeSantis kind of, he, what he's doing there, he's nudging Trump a little bit, right? Because he knows that a lot of people supported him and uh, certainly a lot of people supported him on the COVID stuff. So it's good to have those voices on the right be like, oh, you know, let's not forget what happened during COVID and let's have that accountability because more than anything else, and I got one more clip for you, more than anything else and, and bigger than politics is standing up for what's right. There is virtue in that and you have no idea what can happen if you do the virtuous thing. You just don't know how that will spread. It will. JP. I'm speaking to, there's lots of people who are in this situation. Like, you know, people at universities and corporations all over the place. I, I, you know, Google is not the only company that is no, I'm Im- imposing probably not the worst. repressive uh, freedom of speech denying workplace codes. And everybody feels alone. Right? They're all like, why should I stand up, be yeah. a martyr, get fired? This guy at Google got fired. Yeah. What's the point? It's a good question. And how do you, how do you convince people that there's a point to, to, to standing up when it appears to be futile? Well, the first thing I think is you convince them that it's not futile. It might be difficult, but it's not futile. If you get your words right, you have something to say, there'll be an impact of those words. It might not be the impact that you would choose. But the, but the other thing you've got to tell people is, pick your poison. You, don't, you, you may be in a situation where you don't, have a, you don't have a cakewalk to the Garden of Paradise. You've got tyranny or famine. Those are your choices. But you get to pick which one you have. And I would say if, if you're being oppressed, and I mean in your soul, by what you're required to swallow at work. Well, you think you're not paying a price for that? You got no self-respect, and, 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 and rightly so. But worse than that, you're an agent of your own destruction. You're destroying your own ideal, and you're letting people who are weak and corrupt win. And if you stood up and and stood up properly, but you have to put yourself in order to do this, at least to some degree, right? You can't do it casually. 
You have to do it from some position of preparedness and strength Then what makes you think you couldn't scare them back into the corners and that would be a good thing Ain't that right that guy is pretty quotable the one quote that I'll repeat it might be difficult But it is not futile Isn't that the point of all of this that standing up or the right thing, even pushing back on your side, which is which is often harder, right? I can sit here on this show every day and rail on the left at this point. Dave Rubin left the left, and oh my God, he's making fun of the left. Holy cow. Well, that, it comes with a certain cost. Sometimes lefties aren't nice to me on Twitter. But it is much harder to push back against the excesses of the people that I might end up voting for or the people who I have more common cause with. That's how you, how you build something better, right? And that's what I intend to do. And I would liken that to something that I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, the last five days of our show, every single day, we have broken every subsequent record. Thursday was our best day ever. Friday was our best day ever, <laughs> including the day before. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, maybe today will as well. I had no idea a year ago when we got into this presidential race, if I supported DeSantis, what was that gonna do to my Trump people? Now saying I'm gonna back Trump, is not gonna get my DeSantis people pissed off? Do I have some moderates angry at me for whatever? I just did what I thought was right. And, and the proof is in the pudding on the numbers on that. And that is what I will continue to do. And I think that's what you have to do with, with, with your life. You can take an unpopular stance. I took an unpopular stance within the right, right? DeSantis did not win. Trump won by a lot. I took an unpopular stance, but it was not the wrong stance. And now, as someone that stood up for what I believe in, I hope that I can continue to be a voice that in those moments that Trump's going off the deep end, instead of the worship, that I'm able to do my part, which, which actually would be defending much more than the views of this show. It would, be, it would be defending and helping build a world that I wanna live in. And I think you can be a part of that as well. Uh, guys, reminder, part one of my interview with former CIA agent Mike Baker is up right now. The full thing is on Locals. Uh, People of the Internet with Isabel Brown, 1 p.m. And we've got a post-game show in about 30 seconds at rubenreport.locals.com. Adios. Thanks for tuning in to The Ruben Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubenreport.locals.com.